If we look at the difference, the average leader is eager to take the stage. A go-giver leader is eager to give the stage, to support others, right, within the organization, to tap into the leadership qualities within themselves and step up. So the average leader says, look at me, aren't I amazing? A go-giver leader says, look at the people I work with, aren't they amazing? Hey, this is Kyle Tully from ConsultingTycoon.com, and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. This episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high-value customers. Book a call with me on callashroy.com to discuss how we can get started. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to head over to the show notes on the Productive Insights website and you'll find several other related episodes. All you need to do is click on the related link in the show notes and you'll be listening to related and useful content in no time. Is there a difference between taking leadership and giving leadership? And if so, does it really make that big a difference in your ability to lead? Our guest says yes to both. Bob Berg is a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even a former U.S. president, Bob is the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence, with total book sales of well over a million copies. He was named by the American Management Association as one of the top 30 most influential thought leaders in business for 2014. Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. We previously featured him as a guest expert in episode 72, and we had such a great conversation that I had to invite him back. So, today I'm delighted to welcome Bob Berg of thegogiver.com. Welcome back, Bob. Thank you, uh, Ash. Oh, it's so always such a, a pleasure to be with you. Always enjoy speaking with you. Thank you, Bob. Very kind of you to say that. So, Bob, today we're going to be talking about the go-giver leader. And could you tell us a bit about what motivated you to write the book, The Go-Giver Leader, and how is a go-giver leader different from the average leader? Well, the reason we wrote the book is basically people would ask John David Mann, my awesome co-author of the, the Go-Giver and the mm-hmm. Go-Giver series, you know, how does being a go-giver apply to leadership? Because the first book, the one that we interviewed on before, was really for entrepreneurs and salespeople. Mm-hmm. Now, there were still a lot of leaders who utilized that book as a leadership book within their companies because of law number three, the law of influence. And as you've probably heard uh, John Maxwell, the great leadership authority, say, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So, mm-hmm. so there was that leadership tie-in, certainly, But it wasn't specifically about how a go-giver would apply those principles to leadership. So first, and, you know, of course, we discussed this on the first interview, but just Mm -hmm. to define what a go-giver is so that we're all coming from the the same same premise, a go-giver is simply someone who understands that shifting their 
focus, and this is really the key, shifting their focus from getting to giving. In this case, when we say giving, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others. Understanding that, that doing so is not only a, a nice way to conduct business or, uh-huh. or to lead, but a highly profitable and effective way as well. Uh-huh. So being a go-giver doesn't mean you are taking advantage of, it doesn't mean you give yourself away, it doesn't mean that. It just means you're focus is on the other person. You are focused on bringing value to others. So to be a go-giver leader, you know, when we think of leadership, and there's lots of fantastic leaders out there, but sometimes the stereotype of the leader is that person who's sort of, you know, in it for themselves. Uh, You know, they're leading a team, but it's really about them, right? And so to be a go-giver leader means basically that you're charged with a huge responsibility, and that is to serve others, to focus on bringing exceptional value to those you lead. A go-giver leader understands that great leadership is never about the leader, but rather about everyone whose lives they have the opportunity to touch. So the sense that I'm getting from what you're saying is it's very much about coming from an attitude of service and Mm -hmm. both the go-giver principles as well as the go-giver leader principles, both are about this outward motion. It starts with an outward empathetic approach to your stakeholders and saying, how can I serve you? How can I improve your situation so that you in turn will be motivated to reciprocate? Yeah. And I think that's beautifully put. I don't know that I'd even use the word reciprocate as much as that in this leadership sense that it's going to bring out their best. So sure. they're not doing it with the the idea, wow, this person's a great leader. I want to do well for them, although that actually is something that is a result of it. Mm-hmm. But it's really that as a go-giver leader, you are creating the environment for them to thrive. I love that. I love what you just said there, creating the environment. You're creating the conditions, almost mm. like you're, you're fertilizing the soil for the plant yes. to thrive at its right. best. I love how you put that. Absolutely. I think you could have written the book. <laughs> You're very, very kind, Bob. Okay, so, Bob, in the book, you seem to contrast giving leadership with taking leadership. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about how they're different? You already touched on it a little bit, Mm. but can you just bring that out a bit more? As in, you're not saying that taking leadership is a bad thing, are you? And if so, why or why not? Sure, that's a fantastic question. So first, let's understand that just as you said, taking leadership can have two meanings, one of them being very positive. It's that person who, when the game or the account or the situation is on the line, they assume responsibility. It's that person in the athletic contest who's sort of that team leader, and it's down to the final two minutes, right? They take leadership, and they direct what's happening. That's a a great thing. We we need that. It's the person in the restaurant who, uh, when someone is, God forbid, choking on some food, Hmm. they take leadership. They step in. They point to someone and say, you know, call for assistance. And meanwhile, they do the Heimlich maneuver on the person. They've taken leadership. That's fine. There's the the person who comes into a company that's faltering. And again, they take leadership and they direct things and they get things back on track. And that's fine. That's a good form of taking leadership. Uh The other form of taking leadership is not so productive. That's the one who 
by way of their title or position, if you will, is mm. is the boss and they run things their way, right? Yeah, yeah, they make yeah. it about themselves. They become, as we say, as Aunt L tells Ben, the protege in the story, they become the deal. So instead of lead, L-E-A-D, they become the deal, D-E-A-L, <laughs> right, right? I like that, yeah. They try to influence or lead by way of compliance. So they pull rank. Right, exactly rather than by earning commitment. So giving leadership is the opposite. This would be understanding that the team is what it's all about and that those individuals who've committed to the vision, they've done so as a result of knowing you are committed to them. Uh And that's really the key. So, you know, we would say this. If we look at the difference, the average leader is eager to take the stage. A go-giver leader is eager to give the stage, to support others, right, within the organization, to tap into the leadership qualities within themselves and step up. So the average leader says, look at me, aren't I amazing? A go-giver leader says, look at the people I work with, aren't they amazing? Right. And another trait, I think, of leaders who take leadership, they tend to demand respect, whereas people who are go-giver leaders they earn the respect and don't expect it. Right, exactly. That's great. So, Bob, do you think things are changing in the field of leadership, especially with all the technological changes happening these days? Are there more leaders like the type you and your co-author is describing? Or do you believe, so in other words, are there more go-giver leaders coming into the world? Or are we looking at a shift towards more the taker leaders, for want of a better term. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that while there's been an ongoing change and a, and a general evolvement, mm-hmm. the biggest thing is that there are now more people sharing their own stories about it so that people understand why it's actually a better and more effective way to lead. For example, I think of Bob Chapman, a co-author with Raja Sisodia. Bob authored a book called Everybody Matters. Mm-hmm. Now, this immensely successful, just immensely successful chair and CEO of a company called Barry Waymiller. They're a, uh, a huge manufacturing firm in the U.S. Mm-hmm. He is the embodiment of a go-giver leader. People in his organization, they know their leader cares about them as human beings first and mm-hmm. his employees second. And it's really important that people understand that this is not la-la stuff, right? You know, Barry Waymiller is hugely profitable, and they continue to expand. You look at someone such as former Yum! Brands chair and CEO David Novak. Yum! Brands is the parent company of uh, KFC, oh, yes. Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, you know, huge companies. And, and David wrote a book called Taking People With You which, you know, it's just such a fantastic book. They know that leading this way is both, it's more benevolent, sure. It's also more profitable as well. So more and more leaders are realizing that if you understand people's true needs, wants, desires, values, and if you lead accordingly, okay, Hmm. the leader's vision is much more likely to be realized. Yeah, let me just suggest another powerful book on this. Uh Uh, Simon Sinek wrote a book called Leaders Eat Last. Okay, and, you know, he's one of these people, he goes through all the uh, documentation, right, and all the, the scientific thing. But it, it's really a, a fantastic book that I recommend to everyone. But, yeah, okay. leadership has, has involved. I really believe it has. And the more word gets out in terms of its successes, it's going to uh, continue to evolve. But it's going to be because 
of human nature. People are going to understand that they can accomplish more when they lead this way as opposed to the, you know, the older top-down command and control, treat your people just like commodities, try to get the most out of them while giving them the, the least. Uh, you know, and we've just seen the go-giver way works a lot better. And it's not that we in, invented the go-giver way. You know, uh, the, these are people who've been doing this for a long time before the book was out, certainly. Mm. Well, you know, that whole approach to this very utilitarian approach to leadership, I think it's a hangover from the days of, you know, Frederick Taylor when he did this whole scientific management theory where he looked at time and motion studies and it was very much designed around the whole factory floor, you know, where they mm -hmm. measured every piece of input and watched to see how much output they were getting as a result of it. But in today's changing world, in today's world, which is very much driven by information and increasing proportions of us are knowledge workers as opposed to factory workers, I think leadership is changing as well. But let me ask you this, Bob, having worked in the corporate world for 15 years in finance and strategy, I saw a lot of pressure mm. on CEOs of companies because they are being measured by the performance of their corporations on quarterly performance, which quarterly, to my mind right. is insane, right? Horrible. A company like Apple, for example, that has been around forever, you know, when Steve Jobs passed away or they, they'd missed their earnings estimates by like a few cents, they got hammered in the market. So I guess my question is, as a society in a financial sense, the stock markets, they are expecting continuous growth with absolutely, you know, no allowance for cyclical changes. They're expecting, you know, two quarters of contraction is assumed to be a recession, which in itself to me is a bit insane because it's a very harsh way to measure an economy. So how then does a leader, a CEO of a company, manage to balance this incredibly brutal forces that are coming from the stock market and balance that with equanimity in their leadership? Well, on a very basic level, this is where leadership comes into play, okay? Mm -hmm. It's where we need to be character-based rather than, uh, I want to say technique-based in a sense, even though sure. that's not quite the right word. I know uh, what it, you it's, mean, it's, though. You know what I'm saying? It's that, and, and you know, you see the companies that play the long game. And by the way, when they play the long game, they're profiting in the short game too. Okay. But it's that their focus is the long game. Hmm. And the companies whose focus is, is the long game, and again, I'm not saying sacrifice short-term gains, I'm saying sure. focus on the long game. These are the companies that are sustainably profitable. Yes, I and see exactly what you mean, Bob. So you're saying a company that focuses on the long game isn't obsessed with right. their it, quarterly performance at all costs. They're saying- At all costs, right, at all costs, exactly. Okay, you know, we want to improve quarter to quarter, but we're not going to kill ourselves if we don't grow in two consecutive quarters if we realize that we are still headed towards annual growth or growth over decades. And this is a cultural issue. Yes, that uh, was the word I was going to come to next, culture. Yeah. And well, and that's the key. You know, Lee Cockrell, who was the um, 
I'm trying to think of his, his exact, and he wrote a, a, a wonderful book. He was with uh, Disney for years, and he was mm-hmm. the operations manager for all the, uh, trying to remember, he was the executive vice president of operations for Disney World. He actually was the creator of Disney Great Leader Strategies, mm-hmm. and his books are The Customer Rules and Creating Magic. Uh, I interviewed him on my uh, The Go-Giver podcast uh, recently, okay. and he said something that I, I loved. He said, when you take care of the culture, everything else will take care of itself. Mm. And and he didn't mean don't pay attention to other things. He didn't mean don't pay attention mm. to strategy. He didn't mean to, no. But what he meant was the focus is on the culture. Mm. Culture, in other words, culture isn't part of it. Culture is it. Yes. And the other stuff comes through as a byproduct. Ah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay, Let's talk about some action steps our listeners can take from this conversation. So some of the key things I would say, if you're listening to this episode and you want to adopt these principles, start thinking in terms of how you can enrich your employees or your team's situation, how you can create conditions for their success rather than looking at how they can serve you, look at how you can serve them and make sure that everybody has the best opportunity to win so that your business can grow and then you can grow with that business as a result. Very well put. I, you know, I love the way you put that. And that's really what it's all about. And I think a big part of that is when you do it that way, you develop trust. And, you know, I often say it did. We talked about this again in the uh, in our first interview when I said that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to. And I'll add for this, allow themselves to be led and influenced by those people they know, like and trust. Right. Well, you know, trust is, is so important. And I referred earlier to Simon Sinek's book, Leaders Eat Last. And he gave what I felt was a fantastic description of the essence of trust, maybe mm. even the definition of trust. And it was different than, than anything else I'd ever heard. And, and it's where he said, trust is a biological reaction to the belief that someone has our well-being at heart. Wow. Uh, and I thought that was so spectacular. Yeah. And, it, you know, he brings it back to the, the days of the cave person mm. when every day was a matter of survival right? Every day was about life and death. Were you going to survive the day? And you had to be able to trust the leadership of the tribe you were part of, that they had your best interest at heart, Mm. that they had your well-being at heart. It was life and death. Well, we don't have, of course, that same survival challenge at this point. No, but but Bob, our physiology is still very much like that. Exactly. Our brains have developed very fast in a relative space of time. You know, relatively speaking, our brains have evolved very quickly, but our bodies haven't evolved that much. So because our brains have evolved, our societies have evolved, and we are socially a lot more advanced than our physiology actually is ready to – physiology hasn't caught up yet. So, right, and with that context in mind, what you just said, as a leader, you think about that. How important is it for you to develop and cultivate that trusting relationship with those you lead? Mm. Because it's – the life and death of your company, because to them, it's their life and death. You know, it's, yeah. and so it's really, uh, you know, such an important thing to focus on and understand that, you know, trust and the ability to earn trust will be your most valuable personal asset as a leader. 
You know, Bob, I think that's such a good point that you made about the tribe. I just think that I've always thought about things like, you know, marriage. When we get married, in most societies, when you get married, you get married in front of a bunch of people because making a commitment or a promise in front of a group of people is more likely to stick. Why? Mm. Because we mm. are physiologically, our DNA is still quite hardwired right. to conform within a tribe or, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of things that we do, you know, most cultures, key rites of passage or key ceremonies that happen within that culture or that tribe tends to be done in the presence of a community of some sort. Right. So I think that's a brilliant definition that Simon Sinek had about this mm -hmm. biological anchoring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was great. Okay, so... Bob, if you wanted to hire a leader for your organization, what traits would you look for and why? Uh, you know, I would say that it, it's first a person who understands that the team and its vision comes first. Mm -hmm. That he or she knows that they're there for the purpose of, of giving leadership to others and accomplishing the desired result. So they, they must have the talent, of course. Again, mm -hmm. you know, this is not some la-la thing. Of course, they, they come and they must have talent. And they, they must, they must have character. Mm -hmm. And we think of leaders, you know, who've been hired to save the day of companies that for a long time were great are now in trouble. And this new leader must have talent, but if they're a me first, I'm the deal type of leader, mm. that downward spiral is only going to continue. Mm. And we've also seen those high character people that came into a business where they had no experience, in this case, experience having to do with, you know, being directly involved in that particular business before. And while their intent was fine, they also drove the problem deeper. So it, it, they've got to have talent and character. I always love what Stephen M. R. Covey taught in his excellent book, The Speed of Trust, right, regarding the importance of the combination of competence and character. One without the other doesn't work, though I would sure rather have a person who had high character who didn't know the inner workings of the business. Mm-hmm. Because they can always surround themselves with people who are smarter than them in those areas. And mm. a high character leader will absolutely do that. I'd rather have that than someone who came in with all the talent in the world and had a lack of character. You know what, Bob? When I hire, I don't hire for skills. I hire for attitude. Abs absolutely. Because I think absolutely. skills can be taught. Attitude is a lot harder to teach. And if they mm -hmm. don't have it, I mean, that's something that comes from within. If they mm -hmm. don't have it, then there's not a great chance that you can infuse that in them. That's very much a matter of choice. And to your point earlier on about you know individuals and companies influencing the culture around them, CEOs of companies have a massive impact on the culture of the company. If a CEO has a bullying kind of a personality, that will tend to flow on through the entire organization. Whereas if a CEO is a go-giver leader, the organization is going to be have a typically a flatter structure and going to have a lot more decision making at various levels. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're not going to hold all the cards close to their chest. Yeah, I, well, I agree with that totally. I'd also look at the words that this new leader who we're looking to hire, what words they use. A go-giver leader tends to use words like we and us yes. and our, right, when yes. describing the team's victories. And when there's bad news, when things haven't gone well or problems occur, that's when they'll use the word I and me. Right. In other words, they will take responsibility, you know, even if it wasn't totally theirs, They'll take the responsibility, but they will edify and they will give credit to their team. I love that. So there's another little action step to you who are listening. 
if you want to hire someone, watch out or pay attention to the language they use when you speak to them. I love that. That's a fantastic point. Thank you. Okay, so Bob, how do listeners find out more about you? And is there anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye? Well, you know, there's really nothing else I'd want to add other than to suggest that just you keep learning about leadership. I mean, there's just so many great books out there. You know, I mentioned Simon's book, Lee Cockerell's book, The Customer Rules and Creating Magic. You know, that was as much about leadership as it was about customer service. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Chapman's book, Everybody Matters, a great book. Another wonderful one is from Lisa Earl McLeod, who wrote Leading with Noble Purpose. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a powerful, powerful book. And, you know, there are people such as Captain David Marquet, M-A-R-Q-U-E-T, who wrote Turn the Ship Around. There's so many, great, and there's many, many other great books about leadership that just, you know, you can keep studying and learning. And John Maxwell's books, of course, and so many. I don't even want to leave any out, but uh, <laughs> there's so many. But so, you know, to, if you really want to be a leader, keep learning about leadership. Keep applying what you're learning you know, make sure you course correct when there are mistakes and uh, and just focus on others, focus on touching lives and do all those things and you'll be a great leader. Well, most importantly, how do listeners get access to your book? Is your book, The Go-Giver Leader, available on sure. Amazon? It is. But what I would suggest is that they just go to thegogiver.com, the go-giver without the uh, hyphen, thegogiver.com. And when they're at the site, they can subscribe to my Go-Giver podcast if they'd like. Fantastic. Uh, They can connect with me online and they can, when they scroll down, they'll see where they can get uh, a a chapter or an excerpt of the Go-Giver Go-Givers Sell More, The Go-Giver Leader, Adversaries into Allies, some of my books, and they can see which ones they like and then click through and order the ones they'd like to buy. Okay, definitely. We'll definitely include all those links in the show notes of this episode so listeners can get access to that. Well, thank you. And it was so great being on with you again. You always conduct such a fantastic interview, (laughs) and uh, I just uh, appreciate so much what you do. It was absolutely wonderful to have you back, Bob. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 